Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Mark. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Almighty Father, as we come into this new year, we give you thanks for the new life that you have promised us in Jesus Christ and in the waters of our baptism. We pray this day, O Lord, that as we hear of Christ's baptism for us, that you would strengthen us in heart and mind to trust you more fully. To this end, grant us your Holy Spirit, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our Rock and Redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. You ever wonder how we come up with what texts we're preaching on for a Sunday? Well, if you don't, you're going to find out anyways right now through this very boring little introduction I want to give to you, so bear with me here. But every, we don't just sort of pick these verses out of nowhere. In our church, we follow a church calendar, and this calendar assigns for us particular readings for every Sunday, all right? And we follow what's called a three-year cycle, which means each three years, you're going to cycle through the same set of verses. Now, those three years are organized by the three first Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, if you're a John fan, don't worry. He interrupts all the time, and he inserts himself into the cycle. We'll even hear from John next week. Uh, but this year, we are focusing on the Gospel of Mark. All right? Are you still awake? This is good. I think this is interesting stuff. Uh, this year, we are going into the Gospel of Mark. Last year, Matthew was our guide. This year, it's Mark. Next year, it will be Luke. But I got to tell you, this is my favorite one, because the Gospel of Mark is my favorite book in the Bible. This book, Mark is such a wonderful author, and Mark is just great with his no-nonsense approach to teaching us about Jesus. There is like no fluff in this Gospel. Everything happens, the refrain you'll hear is, immediately. Immediately Jesus was doing this, immediately Jesus was doing that, and everything just happens really fast. It just, it's a very enjoyable book to read. Mark is so not interested in any fluff that he doesn't even have the birth narrative of Jesus. Have you ever noticed that? There's no Christmas in the Gospel of Mark. You just get right into the baptism of Jesus. We're not wasting any time. Now with that in mind, I want to go back to Christmas. Just before we get into Mark's Gospel here today, I want to go back and discuss Christmas just a little bit. I know you're done with Christmas. The decorations are down. We have no tree in here anymore. You're not listening to Christmas music anymore. Some of you still might be. Uh, but we're all done with Christmas. But I'm not, because I got a beef that I want to, I want to bring up with you today. Uh, it's something I noticed that happens every single year around Christmas time. And it's when sort of an, an angry non-Christian, maybe they're not angry, but they just want to look smarter than all the Christians, they'll come along and they'll tell you, well, you know, Christmas isn't really a Christian holiday. They just ripped off everything from the pagan cultures around them, and then we're all supposed to feel bad about this, right? They'll come along and they'll say, look, uh, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. That was stole, stolen from the pagans. And the virgin birth, that's stolen from the pagans. And evergreen trees and lights in the dark and, and giving of gifts. And, and it's all from the pagans. And Santa Claus, he's really just from Coca-Cola. Well, that one might be true. Uh, but all of these things come along and they try and make you feel guilty and try and make you feel bad for some reason. They want you to, I don't know, doubt faith, doubt God, doubt something. And so they'll tell you that all this Christian stuff is just ripped off from the pagan culture. Well, if that's the case, then I want to say today, I think that's kind of cool, actually. 
Now, as it turns out, a lot of those claims are terribly false. In fact, just driving back from Colorado this last week, my family and I were, were on vacation in Colorado, and driving back, I listened to a podcast, not by Christians, by the way, uh, talking about how all of this stuff is just kind of made up to make Christians feel bad, it, but there's not really a lot of basis to it. But let's just say today, for the sake of argument, that a lot of that stuff is true, that Christians did sort of repurpose the pagan practices for their own ends. Good. That's actually a pretty cool thing. Because what the Christians did was they took these things that were probably good in and of themselves, but were being misused by the pagan culture and re-identified them with Jesus. They repurposed them for pointing us to Christ and his coming. So think about this. Uh, we use the evergreen trees. Why? Because the child who was born in Bethlehem died and rose again, never to die again. He is evergreen. He lasts forever. Or the lights that we put on our houses in the dark, they remind us that Christ is the light of the world, the light who has come into the darkness and the darkness can't overcome him. I've even heard that the exchanging of gifts is, is stolen uh, from the pagan culture. But so what? God gave us Jesus Christ as a gift to be our savior. And so when we give gifts, we remember the God who is the gift-giving God. This is all really wonderful stuff. So in any of these cases, if it is true, all the church did was it took a pagan misuse of something and re-identified it with Christ. Its identity is now tied up with the coming of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I think that's pretty cool. This whole season has its identity wrapped up in the coming of Jesus. In a sense, it's been baptized. Now, not literally. It hasn't literally been baptized. Like, we don't take our Christmas trees and pour water in the basin and say, I baptize you, tree, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That would be uh, weird. That's not what we're saying. But one of the things that baptism does, and we are talking about baptism today. Let's now leave Christmas and come into the feast we're celebrating today, the baptism of our Lord. One of the things baptism does is it gives us a new identity. It identifies us not with the old world, but it identifies us with Jesus Christ. Now we're going to talk about this today because, as I just said, we're talking about the baptism of our Lord. But that raises an interesting question. Why in the world is Jesus being baptized? Does Jesus need a new identity? I mean, Jesus, as Mark tells us in his first verses, is the Son of God. He is God in human flesh who has come to be our Savior. Does he need to get a new identity? I'll tell you, John the Baptist himself, if you've read the other Gospels, you know, John the Baptist himself was confused by this. He couldn't figure out why Jesus had come to him to be baptized. John said uh, that he came baptizing with a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Now, what repentance is, is it's a turning away from one course in life towards another direction. And in the Christian church, what we mean is you have turned away from your old idols and been turned towards Christ. You've been turned to a new way of life in Christ Jesus. Right? You've repented. You've turned away. And, and this baptism turns you away from the idols and towards Jesus. Now, unlike Christian baptism, which we're going to talk about here. We're going to compare these things a little bit. But unlike Christian baptism, John's baptism doesn't do this. It doesn't give you the Holy Spirit. 
When John was out baptizing, he wasn't giving people the Holy Spirit. He wasn't granting them the gift of salvation. But he was giving the people uh, a new identity. He was pointing them to Jesus. It was like an Old Testament ritual, really, that pointed people to Christ. It showed sinners that their current identity wasn't enough. The current things their lives were tied up in were not saving them. They needed to be saved from the world around them by coming to Christ. And so John was always pointing forward to the coming of Christ. Now, what's interesting in all of this is who John would baptize. Because some of this stuff would make sense. John would obviously be baptizing sort of the rank sinners of the world, you know, like the tax collector or the people who were uh, paid professionally to sin. These people would come to John and obviously receive this forgiveness and be pointed uh, towards the coming Messiah who was going to save them. Even the Gentiles were brought to John for this. But John didn't just direct his message towards sort of the world's rank sinners. He called everyone to be baptized. This included the religious leaders, the powerful people in the Sanhedrin, the people who were attending synagogues every single Saturday. John even set his sights on King Herod, telling Herod that he needed to repent and be saved. No one, no matter how sinful or righteous in the eyes of the world, was okay in their current state. Whatever they found their identity in, if it wasn't faith in the Savior who was to come, it wasn't true faith. It wasn't saving. It needed repenting. It needed forgiving. Everyone, John would say, needs to turn from their old identity markers and find their new identity in the Savior who was to come. Now, this message of identity is really important for us today. I don't think this conversation actually has changed a whole lot. Because identity, how someone identifies, is all the rage right now. Everybody is all caught up in their identity and how people see them and how people identify them. We want people to know where our allegiances lie, who we align ourselves with, what tribe we are a part of. This will happen uh, very much in the next year because we are coming on an election year. And I will be able to figure out who everyone is voting for because you will wear a red hat that says make America great again or you'll stick a Biden sticker on your car or you'll post things on social media so everybody knows which political party you identify with. But we're going to see this also uh, as we see it all the time right now as people are beginning to tell us which pronouns we can use to describe them. Our pronouns are now identity markers as if a... (laughs) as if your gender is something you can choose. We identify ourselves uh, with certain church bodies, right? I mean, if you go to a church body like the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, which we're a part of, we've got logos and we've got branding and we've got all of this, so you know which church body we are identifying with here. If you get on social media like Twitter or X or however that website identifies itself, if you go to someone's page, it will tell you a little blurb about that person. So you know how to identify them. It's all over the map. We label everybody. Conservative, liberal, American, European, gay, straight, happy person, or Broncos fan. Those are not the same thing anymore. Jew, Greek, slave-free, male, female, all these identities. We flaunt and boast about so people would know who we are and where our allegiances lie. And were John the Baptist to come to us today, and John's very same word does come to us today, John would come to us and say, you need to repent of all of it. 
Because none of it is Christ. And that's the problem. Our identity politics have just become our idols fighting with everyone else's idols for power and prominence in society. And that's just old pagan idolatry rearing its ugly head again. So what needs to happen? All of it needs to be conquered by Jesus Christ. It all needs to be drowned and die in the waters of baptism. All of it needs to be overcome by Christ in you. And though John's baptism and our own Christian baptism are different, one thing they do have in common with each other is that they both impose a greater allegiance to Christ. That is, baptism gives a new and different identity focused on Jesus. Now with John, it was given before Christ came. So John's baptism was that would identify you with the people of God, looking forward to the coming Messiah. Our baptism, Christian baptism, the one Jesus gives us as a gift, is the place where Jesus Christ claims you as his own. He puts his marker on you when you're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You're tagged with the triune name. And there Jesus promises you, here is your identity, a forgiven, beloved child of God. In baptism, your sins are forgiven. And as I said in the children's message, God is making a commitment to you to daily and richly forgive you for all of your sins. You are now aligned with Christ. You are identified with Him. Which means your Christian life is now lived as one of repentance, as Martin Luther once said. Our entire life is now lived fighting against anything that would demand our allegiance pushing away anything that tries to take the place of Christ in our lives, to fight against those things, and to cling to Jesus, Jesus who clings to us faithfully and eternally with his nail-pierced hands. This is what baptism does. It gives you the identity of forgiven, beloved child of God. Which brings us back to the question, why in the world is Jesus needed? Why is Jesus needed? being baptized. John was confused by this, so often we can be confused by this. After all, Jesus was no sinner. He didn't need to repent. He didn't need the forgiveness of sins. He is God in flesh. He is righteous. He's the one everyone else should be looking to for their identity. So why is he being baptized? Well, because Jesus has come to take on a new identity, that of a sinner. And he who at his baptism is named the Son of God and who receives the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove puts himself in the place of sinners when he enters that water. You can kind of imagine it like this, that in the waters of baptism, Jesus enters those waters and all the sins of the world are washed away from us in our baptism and trickle down the stream to him. And our sin lands on him, so he is now dressed up, clothed, in our sin, all the sins you've committed, all the inborn guilt that you have falls on Jesus Christ so that he can carry it to the cross. And though he himself never commits any of those sins, though he himself is perfectly sinless, he identifies with sinners in baptism so that he can identify as the chief sinner on the cross. So that as St. Paul tells us, he who knew no sin became sin for us. 
so that we, so that you might become the righteousness of God. He paid the penalty that sinners deserve so that sinners would be identified with him. He identified with you so that you would be identified with him as your Savior. It's as though Jesus is saying, listen, though I will never sin, my allegiance is to the Father who has aligned me with sinners so that I will be their Savior. Christ has come so that he would be your Savior and die in your place on that cross. And how do you know? How do you know he did it for you? Because when Jesus came, he took baptism away from John and made it his own. And now, in the waters of baptism, he does give you the Holy Spirit. Now, in the water of baptism, Jesus gives you the voice of the Father, the Father who says, you are my beloved child, and on account of my son's dying and rising, with you I am well pleased. Jesus now uses baptism to give you this identity. You are a forgiven, beloved child of God. You are a Christian. All your old alliances are now cut off, for you belong to Christ, holy and complete. Your whole life, everything about you belongs to Jesus. And it will for all of eternity. For Christ has identified you with himself, for you are baptized. Amen. We pray. We give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for the forgiveness of our sins and the promise of eternal life, for the new identity you have granted to us in holy baptism. Lord God, keep us ever conscious, uh, conscious of the great gifts that you have given us. Remind us daily to return to our baptisms. For you give us the promises, forgiveness, and eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.